So we've been talking about, in this series, the things that keep us from being, from being free, the things that hold us hostage. And when we worry, we aren't free. And when we envy, we aren't free. And we can be held hostage to our addictions, to bitterness, anger, gossip, lust. We hold grudges. We accumulate stuff. We have unhealthy self-images. We can compare ourselves, uh, compare the image in the mirror to the cover of a magazine. We're hostage to our schedules or our, our kids' schedules. We give up our freedom to pursue things on earth that will be gone in a flash. So maybe you relate to this video. Uh, I thought it was really really powerful. I mean, what if we could be free? What would that even look like? Would I even know how to accept it if it was offered? And that video, the opening video, reminded me of a person in the Bible, um, of a story that was a a, a pretty powerful healing story. And if you have your Bibles with you, um, I'm going to turn to John chapter 5. And if you don't, um, the side screens will will have this up. We've got Bibles at the Info Hub, and they are this Bible with a different cover. We actually gave away all these Bibles, which is awesome. So we have a, a new cover, but um, I'd like to give all those away too. So if you don't have a Bible, go get one. If you don't have a New Living Translation Bible, um, go get one. There's no more important tool uh, as we think about how to free ourselves from what we, what we hold ourselves with hostage than the Word. So... That being said, um, I, should, I should probably begin with a couple disclaimers. I, I'm Steve Davis, and I'm an elder here at Genesis Church. If you're visiting, um, we are about to welcome a new pastor to the stage next week. And so um, if you're visiting with us today, come back, check us out next week. And uh, we're going to have a pastor uh, named Paul Mumaw, and he's going to preach for like the next eight weeks. So um, that's pretty neat. I'll cite, I'll cite a source, too. Some of you remember that my brother-in-law, Matt Carter, is a pastor, and he came and preached um, a couple months ago. And I heard him give a message um, on this topic, and it was awesome. So I'm stealing lots of it. John 5, starting in 1. Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city near the Sheep Gate was the Pool of Bethsaida with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew that he'd been ill for a long time, he asked him, Would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Jesus told him, Stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Instantly the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. Now I like this story for lots of reasons. And um, one of the reasons is it's, a, it's got a footnote verse. And I don't know how many places in the Bible actually miss a verse. But uh, Dan, can you put uh, John 5.1 back up? If you notice, um, let's see, what's the next one? Okay, how about this? If you have a Bible. If you look at it, you see that there's a verse 1 and a verse 2 and a verse 3 and a verse 5. 
And there is no verse 4 in this story. It's pretty interesting. You go down to the footnote at the bottom, and and verse 4 kind of explains a lot, I think. It says this, For an angel of the Lord came from time to time and stirred up the water. And the first person to step in after the water was stirred was healed of whatever disease he had. So the idea is this. These people, these five covered porches full of people next to this pool would lay there and Every once in a while, an angel of the Lord would stir the water. The water would bubble up, and uh, they'd see this disturbance, and the first person into the water, apparently, was healed. And so when Jesus asks him, do you want to get well? His answer is, I got nobody to put me in the water and get there first. Someone beats me to the water. So it's a footnote verse, but the other interesting part about this story, I think the real interesting part, is the question that Jesus asks the man. The man who's been lying for 38 years, lame, unable to walk, needs help to get around for 38 years, and Jesus asks him, hey man, do you want to get well? And so, uh, at least that question is rhetorical, right? And maybe that question's just rude, You know, I mean, it's just mean to ask a guy that's been laying there 38 years if he wants to get any better. Um, And that kind of bothered me. So what's going on? Um, As you think about Bible times and and this guy's life, Jesus asked him, do you want to get well? Well, here's here's the thing. If you get well, you're going to have to change your life. You're going to have to get a job and work and just... Uh, a reminder that in, in this time, it was like 98% poverty, 2% wealth, no middle class. So most people, almost everybody, worked really hard, really long, just to put food on the table. So, you know, your life is not great. You've been laying there unable to walk for 38 years, but your needs have been met. You've been cared for. Um, so that's one reason that question might be a valid one. You know, another reason, 38 years is a long time, your identity might start getting wrapped up in being the lame man. The header in my Bible says, Jesus heals a lame man. I mean, we don't even know the guy's name. I'm not Steve. I'm the guy that lays by the pool for 38 years. I mean, that's who I am. And and I get a lot of attention that way, and I'm used to it. It's what I know. That's my identity, and that's how I know who I am. So if... He's healed. Big time life changes are going to happen. Have to get a job. Going to have to work hard. Do you really want to get well? So maybe the question is not so rhetorical at all. It's a legitimate question. And I got to say, it's a legitimate question to the lame man. And it's a legitimate question to you and me. Do I really want to get well? Do I really want to be free? Now, I I like that video that we started with. um, Sometimes we feel so far away from freedom that we don't even know if we, if we can be free. We wouldn't recognize it anyway. And maybe if someone just asked, so you've got all these things, do you really want to be free of them? Maybe our answer, we'd feel so far away that we'd say what the, blind, what the lame man said, and that is, I can't. But other times we may just not want to be free. It requires transformation. It requires change. People don't like change. I don't know if you knew that. But uh, I'm not real comfortable with change. And, and so it might also require opening some pretty deep wounds. But if we wanted to be free, 
let's say for argument's sake, that we decide this morning that we'd like to be free from all these things that hold us hostage, what would that look like? What does freedom really mean in my life? Let's go to Colossians. Colossians 1. We're going to begin in, uh, in verse 19. I love this one. It says this, For God, in all His fullness, was pleased to live in Christ. And through Him, God reconciled everything to Himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were His enemies, separated from Him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet, now He has reconciled you to Himself through the death of Christ in His physical body. And as a result, He has brought you into His own presence. And you are holy and blameless as you stand before Him without a single fault. I love that, that He said... uh, He's reconciled us to himself. That, that in all his fullness, he was pleased to live in Christ and pleased to reconcile everything to himself. And reconciliation is a neat word, and it means to put back together. He um, says here to make peace where there was not peace before. And so somehow, um, God, he's, he's trying to take everything that's broken and everything that's out of alignment in the whole universe and, and fix it. His plans to make peace in the universe. Uh, I like the, the message paraphrase of the Bible. It says, everything from animals to atoms, he is going to reconcile. And uh, so this reconciliation that he's doing in the entire universe, he says that same reconciling work he wants to do in you and in me and in our lives. And this brings me to a couple of observations about salvation, about freedom. I have kind of a cold, and uh, so I've drank a lot of water this morning, and so I didn't really know where to set this, so I, I'm sorry if this is distracting, but um, as I sat backstage drinking water, I thought to myself, you know, sometimes the Holy Spirit moves in you as you speak, and, and, and the Holy Spirit says, wrap this up, and sometimes the Holy Spirit does that through your bladder, I can't make any promises, but I've drank a lot of water. A couple of observations, then, about salvation, um, about freedom, this reconciliation idea. Um, one, salvation, freedom, wholeness is a present reality. God wants us to be free starting now. So it's not that we wait till we die, we get to hang out in heaven and be free. It's a present thing. And two... This freedom, it's holistic. It's holistic. Everything from animals to atoms. I mean, he wants to make peace in the entire universe and in every area of our life. That would include like the deepest, darkest places of who we are. Sometimes that's a secret that we're keeping, you know, that we are attempting to hide from everybody, including God, which is funny. Um, And sometimes that includes things that we don't even know drive us. Things that we don't realize, we've suppressed for so long that they still have a great effect in our life. But no matter how dark, dark and deep it is, Christ wants to reconcile it. Um, brings me to another pretty neat story in the Bible in Mark. And so in Mark 5, it's another healing story. And if you start in verse 24, 
It says this, Jesus went with him and all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. Um, a brief aside, uh, I, again, I heard Matt Carter give this story. He, he explained that the kind of bleeding this woman was experiencing was the kind of bleeding that, um, like, biologically a man can't experience. It's not really easy to talk about, but there it is. She heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe, for she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. And immediately the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him, so he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? This is kind of like them wondering how you can tell the person that you like follow. And how do you tell your boss he's nuts? I mean, there's hundreds of people crowding around. How can you ask who touched me? Anyway, but he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Most other translations say um, that she came, fell at his feet, and told him the whole truth. I could spend a long, long time talking about this story because it's really amazing. First, why would she say to herself, if I just touch his robe, I'll be healed? It's a little bit weird, isn't it? Um, That doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, So you have to do a little research and you find out that Jewish men, especially religious figures, wore tassels on their robe. And they're like these little, these little tassels, and, and they would kind of flutter as they walk, I guess. Um, but the deal is this, that in Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament, there's this prophecy. And, and it says that uh, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in His wings. And so the way that Jewish people interpreted that was that there would be a religious leader that would have these, this robe with these tassels, and the tassels are the wings. And so if I just would touch the wings, there's healing power in those wings. And this is also why Jesus in, in Matthew, he's kind of criticizing the religious rulers of the day. And he says, you do everything for show. You lengthen the tassels on your robe. And uh, why would they do that? I mean, why would these religious leaders of the day lengthen their tassels? They'd, they'd try and make them a little more sparkly, although I don't think they sparkled, but a little more set apart, a little different, a little more easy to spot, longer wings. Why would they do that? It's because they're saying, hey, maybe I'm him. Maybe I'm him. Maybe I have healing in my wings. And so Jesus criticizes them for that. But Which brings us to the second question. What does it mean why, when she touched, when the bleeding woman touched his robe, what was she saying? You're him. I believe that you are the one. You're the one with healing in your wings. Now, a problem. A menstruating woman was unclean, unable to worship in the temple. And so 
Um, after the cycle was over, she had this ritualistic cleansing experience that she had to go through uh, before she could do that. And what's worse, you know, if, if I'm unclean and I touch you, then now you're unclean. And so now we both have to do this, this cleansing thing. So it's, I think it's hard for us to understand or describe how inconsiderate it would have been for someone who is unclean to touch someone who's clean, especially a religious leader of the day. So she was probably pretty embarrassed when he realized that someone touched him and it, it was going to happen. She was going to have to confess or slither away and hide and it wouldn't have been a fun thing to talk about, but she did. She told him the whole truth. And now there seems to be this pretty interesting connection between her telling him the whole truth and the blessing that he gives her right after she does that. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. The go in peace phrase, he would have probably used the word shalom. It's a Jewish word. They don't, uh, or, or they don't, we have lots of words in the English language. Fewer words then, and shalom meant a lot. It didn't just mean high or by, although that's how they used it. It meant somehow wholeness, completeness, peace. They have this phrase, uh, mashalomka, how's your peace would be, you know, how's your wholeness, how's your wellness, how's your completeness. There's not really a way to, to explain it, but how's your peace? He gave her this blessing of completeness and wholeness. But remember, she was already well of her physical ailment. The moment she touched him, she knew the bleeding had stopped. She was good. The blessing must be about more than a physical ailment. When we're held hostage to earthly things, our peace suffers. And if Christ came to make peace where there was not peace before, then this freedom offered in Christ, this freedom uh, from religiosity, he says, from the law, from, from the following of mindless rules, and this freedom from sin, then what that freedom is about is about him reconciling all things to himself. He wants to put all of the broken pieces of our life back together with him. So the deal is this. Um, if Christianity, if following Christ, if the way is all about this wholeness, peace, full reconciliation of everything in my soul, then I would probably be, I mean, you'd expect that, that I would be like the most open and honest and forthcoming and no secrets and no dark places kind of person in the world. That's how Christians would be, right? But the fact is, it's Sunday morning and we're here at church and I'm smiling and I'm going to show you happy Steve, you know, bright and shiny Steve. That's that's what we do. No wonder we get the label, um, Christ followers get this label of hypocrisy, right? That they're not real, they're kind of fake. It's because we suppress these things down because we think they're not right and they're not good and I can't talk about them with anybody else. But Christ came to reconcile it all. That's kind of exciting. I mean, the fact is, we have things about our life that we say, oh, that was 10 years ago. 10 years ago, it doesn't have an effect on me anymore. It was 10 years ago. I've, I've put it down. Then why do I think about it every day? 
You know, um, I'm my own person. My family, uh, they're my family and whatever, but I'm my own person. You know, I am who I am because that's who I am. That's who I am. And I am that person. And my family has no bearing on how I behave or how I act. And they don't drive my decisions. You know, that's until, like, you get around your family and go to a family reunion and then you realize that's a lie, you know? We have lots of secrets. We probably have secrets that uh, we expect, anticipate, and fully plan on taking with us to our grave, you know? We try to keep things in the dark. Because, but the fact is that light and darkness can't coexist. It's impossible. Darkness hates the light. It flees from it, right? So if we keep things buried in the dark, we can't work with them. But as soon as we bring them to the light, let God in. He can have them. He can help us. Today, I want to encourage us to acknowledge, to begin the process of acknowledging that there are things in our life, both Known and unknown. There are some things we may have suppressed so long we're not even aware of them. But there are things in our life that drive our decisions, that hold us hostage. And the question is, do we want to get well? Do we want to be free? Suddenly it's less rhetorical, right? Um, Your past, your anxiety, your addictions, do you want to get well? It'll involve some pretty serious digging. Um, We're going to have to excavate parts of our lives that, that are more comfortable to ignore. And that kind of freedom, uh, I mean, do you really want that? It's a journey that's going gonna, it's gonna to take some gut-wrenching honesty, right? It's easy to say that we're fine. But if we want this freedom, if we want this wholeness, this peace, we need God to help us. I mean, we had to let God come in um, and let him know that there are areas where we're broken and ashamed. And he already knows it anyway. But the fact is... Uh, No matter how many steps you feel like you've taken away, the guy in the video says, I couldn't retrace my steps if I tried. I've been doing this for so long. I'm so far away, I wouldn't even recognize it. The great thing is, no matter how many steps away you are, it's one step back. Just one. James 4.8 is one of the most uh, encouraging verses in the Bible. And it says this. It says, Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Draw near to God, God will draw near to you. Um, The message paraphrase again, I love what it says. It says this, say just a quiet yes to God, and he'll be there in no time. Mike welcomed you this morning, and he talked about the outpost. A quick aside, um, men, I really encourage you to go. And if you go, what's going to happen is you're going to spend some time thinking about these issues that are holding you hostage. You're going to have some time in a great setting to excavate the things in yourself that you need to so that you can be free, so that you can be a better changed person with a full life and an abundant life. And um, I'm feeling pretty cognizant right now of how heavy this might all come across and, and... and my throat's not feeling great, so I'm not, I've got a lot of inflection in my voice, and I don't have a lot of jokes today. And so it's kind of a heavy morning, but I've got to tell you, it ought to be like a circus in here. I mean, we're talking about freedom that Christ gives that no one else can give, that no one else can offer, and we have the opportunity. 
And so, but, but, but I mean, I realize that there are some people in here that have issues, you know, I don't understand, you know, I, I've had this thing and it's happened to me and it's a long time ago, but you have no idea what I went through and you're right, I don't. Um, but the opportunity is here for us to think about those things, to excavate those things and to pray about them, to give them to God so that he can help us in this journey, in this process of getting well. Now, God already knows everything about me. How many hairs are on my head? He knows me more than I know myself. So this one step, one step back, is totally, totally worth it. So if we could put Galatians 5.1 back up. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. So maybe, uh, maybe you're sitting at a bar just like you do every day. Same drink in front of you. You've done this so many times before you couldn't count if you had to. You don't know how you got there. I don't know how I got here, but I'm here and I'm not free. Or maybe you're sitting at work late again. Um, your family calls and, and it's going to be dinner again without you. The boss is on you and you want so badly to be respected by your boss. You want the power, the prestige, and the promotion that comes along with that. And your family, they don't, they don't really even know you and you don't know them. And you don't know how you got here, but you're here and you're not free. Maybe you're sitting in the apartment um, of a person who's not your spouse and their spouse has gone too and you're back in that room again ready to continue this, this affair. And something tells you that it isn't right, but it's happened so many times before. You don't know how you got here, but you're here and you're not free. Pray with me. Lord God, you know us better than we know ourselves. You know what drives all of our decisions. And you know everything about our lives. We know that you stand ready to to reconcile all things of who we are and what we are to you. And God, we long for that reconciliation. Help us. Help us to allow you to fix us to give us the peace that, that only you can provide, God. Thank you for, for freeing us from our sin, for paying the debt that we owe, just so that you can be with us, that you love us that much, that you want to be with us that much. So God, move in our hearts this morning. We love you. Amen.